Welcome to episode two of In Defense of the Big 12, the newest Big 12 football podcast, really all things Big 12 on the Landry Football Network. Thank you for hopping on today. I am BK Brad Kellner, my normal co-host Tyler McComas, who hosts Sports Talk Radio up in Norman, Oklahoma. He's out on vacation today. He will rejoin the show on Thursday at 10 a.m. Every episode in defense of the Big 12 Mondays and Thursdays at 10 a.m. streaming live on Twitch. We are lucky enough today making a call to the bullpen. It is a great call to the bullpen. We've got ourselves an all-star reliever coming in. The man, the myth, the legend, the brains behind this beast, the great Chris Landry. Follow him on Twitter at Landry Football. Chris, thanks so much for jumping on. We uh, appreciate the time, and thanks for giving us this platform to start this podcast, too, man. We're really, really excited. Well, we're really excited. Thank you. Thank Tyler, you know, for jumping in. Uh, we're really excited about all our conference shows, and you guys in the Big 12, I couldn't couldn't be more pleased to have you two guys, and, uh, uh, you know, I've known Tyler for a long time, gotten to know you through Tyler, and just going to be a lot of fun. You know, when we started this venture out, we said we – we need to figure out a way. I, college football is so big, Brad, that, you know, I, I do national shows. It's hard to hit everybody in every show because there's so many of them. Heck, it's hard to do that with the NFL with 32. So it's impossible in college. So I said, look, we're going to hit everything from every angle on college football and the NFL. And that's what uh, the quick Chris Landry Twitch channel is all about and Landry Football Network's all about. So this is going to be a way – and a, and a housing center for the Big 12 fans uh, and college football fans in general that want to learn more about the Big 12 from you and Tyler. Um, for you guys that don't know, Tyler, I've known Tyler for a long time. He does an afternoon drive show in Norman, Oklahoma, very in tune to the Big 12. It does the show with Teddy Lehman. Uh, Lehman, who's a great Oklahoma Sooner and played in the NFL for a while and just does a fantastic job brad we're just so thrilled to have him but from austin texas by way of overland park kansas and it's been around the big 12 for years no one knows uh, what's going on at texas and certainly around the big 12 better than he does so it's going to be a lot of fun so you know bring your energy bring your passion and brad as we like to tell the folks out there we're new to this we got some technical issues out the way last week and we appreciate everybody's patience with that but we're really excited about the fact that we're able to do this for you the fans so you can go to landryfootball.com hit follow uh, chris on twitch and i'll take you to the uh, chris landry twitch page or go to twitch.tv uh slash uh, chris landry football you can go and watch this show these guys will be doing it at 10 a.m central time on Mondays and Thursdays live. Now you can absorb this podcast as you normally do through your mobile device, but you can catch these guys live and you want to go to Twitch. You'll want to go into the chat room and find that little heart, click on it, click follow, send them questions, send them comments. They're going to recognize you, see you be part of the show. This show's for you, the fans. So I'm just, as you can tell, just tickled pink and excited to, uh, to get you guys off and running, and which is going to be a great year. We, we, we don't know yet 100% on football, and people have asked me, 
hey, what's going to happen with no football season? First of all, we hope there's a football season. We're planning there's a football season. If there's not, the guys are going to be around at least once a week to talk about things that are going on around the conference, to talk about some historical perspective. So, look, no one wants there to be not football. But if there's not football, we're going to bring some things that are intriguing to you. So join the guys each and every week and join all the other shows. Brad, you, you know yes. this, but. Big Ten's on before you guys. We're working on a couple of syndicated shows that we're close on closing those deals out. We're going to have, we got shows nightly in the NFL from 9 p.m. to 12 midnight Eastern time. We've got shows on recruiting that's starting next week. We've got two fantasy football shows starting. We've got a Friday night high school football show on and on. Got a draft show that's coming around that's going to be two, three. We're going to have a, a film breakdown show. So, Go to the schedule at Twitch. You could find out all the details of what's coming up and what's going on. Absolutely. Appreciate the kind words, Chris. Very happy to be a part of this thing. And we are excited about where this Twitch channel and where Landry football as a whole is going. Definitely check out all of the other shows. A ton of content coming out each and every day. So, Chris, let's start right there. I mean, you talked about being optimistic about college football happening in 2020. 40 days away from the first big Saturday of the college football season. Nice round number there. But a couple of teams in the Big 12 announced over the last few days, Chris, that, well, it's only 33 days for them. And we'll start with Oklahoma. They tweeted out over the weekend and officially announced that their season opening game against Missouri State has been moved up a week. So it was supposed to be played on September 5th. That first major Saturday of college football, it's moving up to August 29th. The NCAA approved a waiver request from both schools. It's going to allow for more flexibility to address potential issues related to COVID-19. And it gives Oklahoma a bye after its first two games of the season. So if there is some sort of mini outbreak or at least one or two players testing positive at OU, it gives the Sooners a little bit more time to address the situation and quarantine slash isolate their players. So the first game now against Missouri State, which is coached by Bobby Petrino, by the way, Chris, that'll be on August 29th. So it seems like, you know, we saw the Big Ten, we saw the Pac-12 announce a couple of weeks ago that they're canceling all non-conference games. It seems like the news across the country is a little bit doom and gloom for a lot of places. For Oklahoma right now, they're actually moving up the start of the college football season. What do you think of this decision? You know, I think it's a good strategic decision scheduling-wise, don't you? Because you just mentioned it. Okay, we don't know what's going to happen. No one does, trust me, talking to these coaches. All right, you get a game in a little earlier. As you said, you get some positive tests. Guys may say, you know, it gives you some flexibility to where you got a built-in, quote-unquote, extra open date that you're, you're purposely building in in case you've got that. And uh, you know, it makes some sense. I mean, if you could, you'd probably like to schedule, if it was possible, a game, a game off, a game, a game off. It's not yep. completely possible because you don't know what the heck's going to happen this year. This is, you know, coaches are right now nervous like a, a, a cat in a room full of rocking chairs. I mean, they don't know what to expect. It's, it, you know, we're, we pride ourselves as coaches on prepared for every situation, right? I, you, there's, there's no, there's no game plan for this. You know, there's no, uh, you know, uh, pandemic game plan for how we deal with this. Who's going to be healthy? Who's going to be sick? I mean, talking with coaches, 
you know, one of the things that we're, we're just, you know, bouncing off ideas. And I was talking to a head coach um, uh, uh, Friday, and I'm like, you know, you better be prepared for your coordinator. You better have two play callers ready each week, meaning, mm-hmm. and then you, know, you just, I mean, I, you know, because we're kind of, you know, <laughs> crazy minded as coaches. Brad, what happens if on Thursday or Friday your court, your play caller on defense or offense test positive? Yeah. You better you better have that plan. And then the guy that's the defensive coordinator that may be the play caller, and if it's the linebacker coach that's gonna call the plays, you better make sure that in, in these meeting rooms that you're practicing social distancing because who's most likely to pick it up if you've got it? The guy that's in the meeting room with you, and gonna be the offensive guy. And then, so the other thing is the NCAA's been pretty lenient about saying you can take an an off the field analyst and put them in a role as a coach if you have a COVID issue. So linebacker coach goes down, analyst can get in. You, you got to be prepared for that. Is it's mm-hmm. one of the things that we're dealing with. And then, of course, you know we we focus on the players and how that's going to play out, but. Seems like Brad, everybody's doing a little bit different things and different approaches. You mentioned with Oklahoma, I, it's going to be real interesting to see. I've always said, Brad, getting it started to one thing, finishing it, yeah, is my biggest concern. Because what do you do, do Brad? I mean, if you got four positive tests, how are you going to respond as a school to that? I mean, like right now, okay, well, Michigan State shuts it down. All right, well, you, you got 14 guys, you shut it down. Are you going to do that in the week of a game? Or are you just going to go full? I mean, that's what I don't know, and I don't understand. And it's not a lot of consistency on how often you're going to test. There's some talk about some schools in the ACC, for example, that if you test negative in July that you don't have to test for three months. Well, that that pretty much, you know, gives you some leeway. But if you're going to be testing every week and the cost of that, that's another issue. But you're going to open yourself more and more to people who test positive. What are you going to deal with it? You, OK, you got a running back that's test positive. You know, are you pretty much spread? It may put everybody in the running right room. inside. there's a lot of unknowns here. No doubt. No doubt. And I've been saying this for the last few months. I mean, you got to plan for the best, prepare for the worst. And you're mm-hmm. seeing this with this Oklahoma decision. I've heard Chris Del Conte, the athletics director at Texas, talk about it. They are all planning for a full 12-game regular season college football schedule, at least in the Big 12. But you've got to have those contingency plans if the NCAA says, hey, we're pushing back the start of the season. Uh, If they say, if Bob Bowlesby says, hey, we're canceling a couple of non-conference games, you've got to have contingency plans. If a coach, if a player tests positive for COVID-19, what are you going to do? And I know this isn't a baseball podcast, Chris, but I'm sure you saw the baseball news this morning, right? A bunch of Miami Marlins players testing positive for COVID. Their game that's scheduled for tonight against the Orioles has been canceled or at least postponed. And the Phillies was the team that played the Marlins over the weekend. Their game against the Yankees has been canceled too. So, you know, the NBA, the NHL, they're doing a bubble system, right? The MLS, they're doing a bubble system. You can't do that with college football. So I think college football and the NFL, for that matter, are keeping a close eye on Major League Baseball. And obviously, we were all hopeful that 
MLB would go off scot-free because that would be a great sign for college football and the NFL. Now we're going to be paying even more attention to see how baseball handles this. So contingency plans need to be there. Listen, yeah, that was sobering news because that's the first thing I thought of was like, oh, boy, you're starting to cancel games. And, you know, it's a 60-game schedule now in baseball. So it's the stretch run, the season, the whole season, the stretch run. So now you can – you take the compressed college football season already. Um, it, it, it can't happen that way. Now I've said that the only way, if it is going to be about keeping players to not test positive, well, there are two ways to do it. Don't test them because if you don't know if they're positive, you don't test them. <laughs> I don't know that that's going to fly. Mm-mm. The second, Brad, is you're going to have to keep them in a bubble. And I don't. I, you're right. I don't yeah. think they're prepared to do You know, I've said this for a while. Look, you got, you know, let's just say you're 200 people, and that's just a generic number. Your players, your training staff, your coaches, your support staff, you, you would basically, in order to secure this that way, you'd have to say, we're going to have to sanitize a dorm room, a housing facility. You stay in. You take your classes online. You're going to tell your players, look, you want to play football. You want to have a football season. This is how we're going to have to do it. And mm-hmm. You know, good luck, I know, keeping players from going out. Guys, I'm sorry. This is a different world this year. If you don't play football, you can't go out with your friends. I know that's tough. That's not normal for a college student. This is what it's going to have to be. And then you're going to have to rely upon your your players to, you know, to police themselves. And to some degree, you're going to have to prevent them from getting out of that. Well, no one's willing to do that. So the only other answer is – the testing and how is the testing going to go? And is it going to be, it's not real transparent. So when I hear no one's tested positive, I'm thinking, Hmm, that's even really good. Are they really not doing the testing right or what have you? So I'm with you. If, if we can't keep them in a bubble and we're going to react and and react to, we're going to shut it down because there's going to be positive tests. Well, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know what we're doing because yeah. it's inevitable that they're going to test positive. And, and, and it's, we're just whistling dick sleep. We thinking, you know, we're going to get started. We're going to go do it. And, you know, let's just see what happens. I don't think that's, I don't think that's going to happen. I think we got to have a plan one way or the other and roll it out. And and, in, and again, everybody's going to be different, but I said all along, you know, okay, we got the Big 12 and we got the SEC. We got the ACC that are still trying to get a whole season in. But we kind of all need one another, don't we? I mean, you know, we're going to miss some games. The Pac-12, they came out with they're going to have a 10-game in-conference schedule. So they're making their adjustments. So everybody's kind of doing their own thing. You mentioned it last week, I think, that and this is really important point to bring out again, is that the lack of overall NCAA college football leadership to be able to pull all this together, to pull the Eagles together, really hurts. And it it magnifies it in a time like this where we need good leadership and we're just everybody's off doing their own thing. And look, you can say all you want. Well, we don't care about this conference or that conference. You're going to be eliminating a lot of potential games that are yeah. going to, in my opinion, delegitimize the season if you don't have it. Yeah, I'm with you 100%. And it does affect every conference, right? I mean, even though the Big 12 itself has not canceled non-conference games because the Pac-12 has and because the Big 10 has, I mean, that's going to impact the schedules for multiple 
Big 12 teams, right? Oklahoma State opened the year against Oregon State. Uh, you've got the Iowa-Iowa State rivalry that was supposed to happen, of course. Uh, I'm trying to think who else. Texas Tech was supposed to play Arizona. Those games can't happen anymore. Right. So, yeah, you're absolutely right, Chris. And the, the numbers have been more promising, at least the released numbers. Now, I understand your skepticism, and I think there are a lot of people who are a little bit skeptical with, well, how – you know, three to four weeks ago, you had 20 positive tests, Texas, or 17 positive tests. How how right now are you all already at zero? I think there's some skepticism there, but I think that's promising. But also, on the other hand, Chris, there's still non-contact drills going on right now, number one. And also, there's nobody else on campus. So if these college campuses open up this fall, at least partially, it's going to be much harder to isolate. It's going to be much harder to tell all these players to bubble yourself and quarantine yourself from everybody else. And it's going to be much more difficult to keep this thing under wraps. So it's good that most schools across the country, uh, places that were struggling two, three, four weeks ago, are having much more positive numbers in terms of the negative tests. Kind of, kind of weird to say, but obviously we've still got a long way to go and we haven't even started contact drills at most schools yet. Yeah, no, it's it's that's the scary part is people get back on campus, students, uh, general yeah. population. That's you know that's going to be in my opinion, and you know mostly on the semester system, right? Right, it's mid August, so it's like oh, I'm just like going to be holding my breath. That that that's just you know it's like a, almost a ticking time bomb of you know mm-hmm. all right, we're going to start week one and boom. 30 guys have it. What do you do? Because you're right. They're going to go out, particularly when you get into some of the fall practice and they get a little time off. They're going, you know, they're going out with their buddies. They're going out chasing girls. I mean, we know that. That's normal human nature. Yep. It's not going to be good for our current situation. And it concerns me. It concerns me a lot as it relates to getting this football season in. Um, you know, but uh, look, I, you know, all I, all I say is, we, you know, we're going to try to get we're going to get everybody prepared for a football season. But we don't we don't know how it's going to play out. And we're, that's part of the issue now is we're we're talking about, you know, the latest because everybody wants to know. And there's no magical answer. And, and I talk to administrators and coaches all the time and no one has the answer. Everybody, again, there's no playbook for this. It's just everybody's trying to figure it out as they go. I'll be in fluid. That's uh, that's how we've all had to been throughout this pandemic since it started in March, and that uh, seems to be what's happening right now. So we told you the news about Oklahoma uh, moving its season opening game up a week, right? Instead of September 5th, they will now take on Bobby Petrino and Missouri State on August 29th. So they'll have a bye week after that game. They actually have bye weeks after their first two games this year. Also, Kansas announced that they are replacing its season opening opponent, and the Jayhawks will also play a week earlier. They were supposed to take on New Hampshire out of the FCS, but their conference, the CAA, canceled all fall sports a couple of weeks ago, so Kansas replaced New Hampshire. They will now take on Southern Illinois, another FCS school. That game will happen on August 29th. So before this weekend, Chris, there were only three college football games involving FBS schools that were supposed to take place on August 29th. Now we've got two more, both of them in the Big 12, so some potential good news there. And then kind of what you were talking about, the Board of Governors in the NCAA met last Friday, 
and they announced that they are pushing back any decisions when it comes to fall sports championships. So once again, as of right now, and things can change, we're being fluid throughout this entire process, but as of right now, some seemingly positive news for the Big 12 starting the season on time and also playing a full 12-game schedule. Yeah, I think that the approach, and we saw it when the Big 10 and the Pac-12 came out and said, this is what we're doing. Okay, that was their approach. And a lot of it is kind of the, you know, Big 10 kind of looks at, well, we're kind of the leaders, no pun on leaders invest, but it's kind of, we're the leaders and we're going to, this is what we're going to do. I think that the Big 12, the ACC and the SEC, um, particularly with some of the crossover games and mainly ACC, SEC. So Georgia, Georgia Tech, South Carolina, Clemson. Um, um, uh, you know, um, Florida, Florida State, games like that, they just said, look, we're not going to make those decisions till we absolutely have to. Mm -hmm. So basically, and I don't want to, kicking the can down the road is a bad analogy because they're not doing it on purpose. They want to take as much time to get as much information before they decide what it is they're going to do. Right? I think it's this week. I I have been told that July 31st, and maybe it's just because it's the last day of the month. So I'm not saying... It's going to be Friday. It might be Thursday. I think we're going to know more this week about what the initial plans are because we got to know, you know, with Oklahoma, we know that that's the plan. Now, things can change, but that's the plan right now. And I think we're going to start to hear more and more about what people's plans are, what they're going to do, not going to do, uh, push it back a little bit. Because I think all along that was kind of our, we'll, we'll see if we have to, we can push things back a week maybe two weeks, what have you. And then there's a point of no return, which is why they've kind of left it out there that, well, spring ball is an option. It's not an option, Brad, unless things get completely wiped out in the fall. You know this. All of our listeners know this. They're trying to get it done by hook or by crook because they're going to take a bath financially to begin with. If they have no games, it's even worse. Um, Throw on top of that, all of the cost of these tests. I know this in in in, uh, in my NFL work, and I was on a conference call last week with the league doing stuff that it's going to cost seventy five million dollars for the league to do this COVID testing. And as I joke on another show last night, they didn't budget this last <laughs> year and said, you know, let's budget you know seventy five million for a for a pandemic. Now the NFL can afford it mm-hmm. much more than college. I don't know what type of testing and how thorough. And again, that's part of why they're not maybe being as transparent because it's going to cost a lot. And it's why a lot of these smaller schools have said, can't do it. Why? They can't afford it, Brad. You know that they can't make enough money at New Hampshire, which is a great FCS program, by the way, that goes to the playoffs every year. They don't make enough money in the gate and certainly don't have TV money to offset the cost of testing to allow them to do that. And and so now it is something that major college, you know, the Texas's, the Oklahoma's of the world and all the big 12 schools say, you know, they're going to fray that cost by trying to get some people in the gate. But I don't know that we're going to have many fans, but you still got TV money and you could still make some money. And you know that any amount of money they can bring in is is essential because they're going to lose a whole lot to begin with. Let's just try to make the loss and mitigate it as much as possible. That's the game plan for you know, the Big 12, the ACC, the everybody. They're trying to figure out a way to try to try to make this work. 
No doubt. You're watching In Defense of the Big 12. Brad Kellner, Chris Landry in for Tyler McComas. You can catch this podcast live here on Twitch Mondays and Thursdays at 10 a.m. Central. By the way, if you're watching and you want to leave a comment, you have a question, uh, feel free to leave it in the chat. We will get to that as soon as we can. All right, Chris, before and I want to get your thoughts on the preseason All-Big 12 poll and the preseason All-Big 12 team mm -hmm. uh, that were dropped last week. But I do want to mention this piece of news that could impact uh, a program here in the Big 12. There's a grad transfer linebacker by the name of Tony Fields who is leaving Arizona. Very productive player for the Wildcats. Started every game at Arizona the last three years. 287 total tackles eight and a half sacks. Tony Fields is the name. Surprised some people when he announced that he was going to transfer and leave Arizona a couple of weeks ago, but he just released his top three on Twitter yesterday and two big 12 schools made the cut. Texas and West Virginia cracked the top three for Tony Fields. Minnesota, the other school that made the final three. So once again, a very productive linebacker, and I can speak here in Austin, Texas. I know the Longhorns have been going after Tony Fields hard. They offered him pretty much right away after he announced that he was transferring from Arizona and after he put his name in the transfer portal. Texas needs some linebacker help. That is their biggest question on the entire team going into 2020. And the Longhorns under Tom Herman have had some pretty good success when it comes to grad transfer players. They got Parker Braun, the offensive lineman from Georgia Tech last year. Very solid, started every game at left guard. Uh, a couple of years ago, they got Calvin Anderson, the left tackle from Rice. Trey Watson, a running back from Cal. They already have Tariq Black, a wide receiver from Michigan this year as a grad transfer. So that would be a big hit for Texas if they can land Tony Fields. And same thing with West Virginia, right? Year two of Neil Brown. They're trying to replace a defensive coordinator. They just parted ways with Vic Koenig last week. The timing of that couldn't have been much worse for West Virginia. Uh, Neil Brown, 5-7 and seven in year one, trying to bolster up that defense and add some depth at the linebacker spot. So Tony Fields, a very, very good player, one year of eligibility. He could be a nice ad for either the Longhorns or the Mountaineers. Yeah, he would be. A uh, couple of thoughts. Um, I talked to some coaches at Texas and some other folks around the Big 12 um about him and a couple of minnesota coaches kind of shared some film and kind of a, a look at him very instinctive player you mentioned really good player really good instincts he's got really good tackle to tackle range but he's got underrated i think pursuit range he's got really good instincts you know brett always say as, as a scout that there, there are a lot of things i like in linebackers the two most important things it's a must you better have instincts and toughness. This guy's got it. He's got leadership ability. He can come in, a plug-and-play guy that can help anybody. Okay, now, athletically, may not, you know, jump in on every linebacking core and step in, but in terms of an alpha dog leader, he'd be a good fit. The Texas coaches feel they're in good shape. I think they're the favorite to get them. I think that West Virginia is, you know, I they feel – good they're hopeful but i don't i don't think their chances are as good same with minnesota i just think the opportunity at texas is really good and i know um they uh they need a little good news i mean they're, they're doing well but i think uh and, and i want to get into some of the brockermeyer uh you know news that came out and we know uh that but i think as a plug and play guy that can absolutely help anybody and certainly would help the longhorns is a really good player 
And uh, I think he's going to end up at Texas. And we had on LandryFootball.com, and again, we invite everybody to check that out. They can find all these shows here. But we got behind the paywall. We give a lot of film room analysis and there are notebooks every day, inside information. We've been tracking this for a while, and we've got the latest. And we'll have a little bit more today on on maybe – you know, maybe he's close to making a decision. He needs to, you know, Brady needs to, he needs to get it in there and get gone. And, uh, and, and whatever type of practices we're going to have, he needs to get involved in it as soon as right. possible. people may say, Oh, well, wait a minute. He won't be real effective because this late in normal circumstances. Correct. But this is a guy that you can put in and he's a quick study and a quick learner. And I'm not saying he's going to be as good understanding things, you know, week one, as he will, week five or week six. But he's a guy that is a plug and play, a true college free agent that you would have liked to have had him, you know, at least virtually learning for two months. But mm-hmm. he could still help uh, the Horns or Mountaineers or the Gophers, wherever he ends up. Yeah, you talk about instinctiveness. You talk about toughness. I'll add another trait for Big 12 linebackers. You got to be fast. You got to have speed. No question. No I love question. That, I love that Fields is 6'1", 220. That's what he's listed at at the Arizona website. That's That sounds small. Like for old heads, that's crazy to think that you could be a good linebacker at 220. But in this conference especially, you got to be able to go sideline to sideline. You got to be able to cover some running backs coming out of the backfield. You got to be able to have some range. And I think Tony Fields has that. He fits the perfect prototype for a big 12 linebacker that's so right you know uh and, and not quite as athletic as the, the young man that's with the seahawks that was uh, in some people's eyes was a surprise pick out of texas tech in the first round but he this guy you're right so right if you're going to play defense in this league you better be able to run at all positions and that linebacker yeah you're you're in a coverage uh, position because it's not the oh well you know three two down linebacker no 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 you're, you're throwing on first downs on this league so mm-hmm. you're in you're third down every down in this league so you're right the ability to play in space and in coverage is crucial and he can do that uh, very well no doubt Longhorns have a lot of work to do at linebacker to Marvion Overshone one of the projected starters transitioning down from safety also, Juwan Mitchell, a guy who was in the transfer portal a couple months ago. He's expected to be the other starter, former Juco kid. Uh, he would be a nice ad for Texas, would be a nice ad for West Virginia. And Chris alluded to it. We might have some news coming at some point this week. All right, Chris, what about the preseason media poll for the Big 12? Tyler and I touched on this a little bit on Thursday, but would love to get your take on it. No surprise at the top. The team that has won this conference seemingly 100 years in a row, the Oklahoma Sooners, number one, they get 80 of the 90 first place votes. Despite all the turnover, you know, bringing in a first time starting quarterback for the first time in the Lincoln Riley era, obviously have some pieces to replace on the outside, some pieces to replace on defense. Despite all that, any qualms with you with uh, Oklahoma being number one in this league? Oh, no. I mean, I think it's it's everybody's chasing Oklahoma in the league. As you mentioned, they've been, you know, dominant. They maybe get criticized because they haven't done as well in the playoffs. But you can look at them along the lines of what you you see in, um, in Clemson and the ACC. I mean, it's until somebody goes and challenges them. Now, I do think that it's a little bit more competitive in the Big 12. Um, you know, so it's a little bit closer to Oklahoma than, than anybody is to Clemson. But 
look, the results are there, and uh, it's going to be interesting. They're going young quarterback developing through the system now. But they're, as, as maybe they haven't quite stepped up to the table in the national playoffs, we've not seen teams in the Big 12. We've seen, look, Kansas State beat them. Baylor played them well for half. It's not like they're, they're, they're unbeatable. They're not. But they're still the king until somebody beats them. I, I think it's them, and I think it's let's see who else can make a run. Um, I, I want to get into this a little bit with you with, with Texas, but I'm a little bit. I don't. I mean, you, you know, dis, I don't disappointed. I'm, I'm a little bit surprised that Texas is not further along as a program to where they're not right up there with Oklahoma, just like. I thought at this stage, and, and this is an app comparison, but Jim Harbaugh has been at Michigan longer, but I thought Michigan would be neck and neck or very close to challenging Ohio State. They are not. Mm-hmm. Jim's been there a while. Tom hasn't been at Texas as long, but I'm a little bit concerned that, you know, I, I, I don't see the gap closing and I need to see it a little bit more to believe in it. There's, no excuse, Brad, for Texas to not be in a elite program. To to what Oklahoma's doing, Texas should be doing and vice versa. Yep. And everybody has their look, their gaps, their lulls, but you know, Tom was going to be the guy that was the hot guy. I, I gotta tell you, I I liked him a lot and I do a lot of coaching search work in my Landry football operations and I, I thought he was really good. Thought he recommended him to Houston. I thought he was going to do a great job there, and he did. LSU, despite what anybody LSU tried to get him, and only when they couldn't get Jimbo and then get Tom Herman, then it was that Orgeron that they they fell back on. Mm-hmm. But now you know it's like you think this is this is the fit. Okay, Charlie Strong's a good coach. He won other places, but not the fit. We got our guy. He's a Texas guy. He's who's a GA here. He's gonna kill it in recruiting. I'm just I'm not a, a good recruiting. Yes, um, development pretty good. Not where I'd expect Texas to be, and I'm waiting for that big jump. And I. You know, that should be – it should be Oklahoma, Texas, Texas, Oklahoma. And right now it's Oklahoma. And then, all right, where is Texas? Does Texas too this year? Or is it a talented, you know, uh, every few years we see Mike Gundy have a really good run. And I see Oklahoma State is maybe a team that could – has the type of team that potentially could make a Baylor run like Baylor did last year. And I don't know if they're going to do it, but I think they have some of the capabilities. So – I'm curious to see where does Texas fit in all of this, big picture and small picture. Yeah, that's uh, that's a big question, right? And I think a lot of Longhorn fans sort of echo those same sentiments, Chris. It's a lot of wait and see going on here at Texas. I mean, two years ago, 2018, Texas wins 10 games. They're in the Big 12 championship. They, of course, beat Oklahoma in the regular season. They beat Georgia in the Sugar Bowl. Sam Ellinger claims that we're back. And people are optimistic. People are feeling good. And everyone's like, hey, Tom Herman is the dude. He might even be ahead of schedule here. Like, things are going great. We're where we need to be. And then, obviously, last year happens. Texas goes 7-5. and five. They do win the bowl game in emphatic fashion against Utah. But there's no way around it. It was a disappointing season, disappointing year three for Tom Herman. So there is a lot of wait and see 
with this fan base and a lot of skepticism on whether or not Tom Herman is the right guy. Uh, Chris, the talent intake, the talent acquisition is not a problem at all. I mean, it hasn't been for the entire decade, right? You think about how bad Texas has been since 2010. The Longhorns are still recruiting better than anybody in the Big 12, which kind of blows my mind, right, considering how bad this program has been in terms of wins and losses in the fall. They still bring in the number one recruiting class just about every year in this conference. And, I mean, Tom Herman's brought in since the first year, since the transition year from Charlie Strong, he's brought in a top 10 class every year. So bringing in talent has not been the issue, but the talent development has been a huge problem here at Texas. I mean, it spans three head coaches, right, from the end of Mac to Charlie to Tom. There's been four athletic directors here since Texas has been uh, has been in this spot. So it is a big year. There's no doubt about it. And I think the media, you see Oklahoma State being picked ahead of Texas this year, despite what seemingly on paper is a, a big talent gap, a big talent discrepancy between the two programs. You're seeing the media even start to doubt Texas a little bit. And honestly, it's hard to blame them after what we've seen. It seems like every year people are expecting the Longhorns to get back to the elites of college football, and they can't do it. Now, Tom Herman has said, Pretty much from day one, but he said this all offseason long, despite the pandemic, despite no spring ball, despite uh, everything that's going on in the world right now, he has said this is the year. This is the year he expects his program to take that step. You've got a senior quarterback, one of the best in the country in Sam Ellinger. You've got a top half of the first round caliber left tackle in Sam Cosme. You've got Derek Kerstad, a really good offensive lineman. You've got great talent. You've got nine returning starters on the defensive side of the football. Everything personnel-wise seems to be there for Texas to compete with Oklahoma. Then you look at Oklahoma. They've got a ton to replace, and they've got some question marks all over the roster. And I think this conference as a whole is a little bit down talent-wise in 2020. So everything should be there for Texas to actually get to the Big 12 title game and win it this year. But, Chris, I totally understand your skepticism even the die-hardest of die-hard Longhorn fans feel the same way. This is a prove-it year for Tom Herman, and the pandemic affects everybody. When you're trying to bring in seven new assistant coaches and two new coordinators, makes things a little bit tougher for the Longhorns. But, you know, Tom Herman's been preaching it, and he might be digging his own grave by being as optimistic as he has been. He thinks this is the year for Texas to really take that step. I've said it a bunch here in Austin. I think it comes down to that game in Stillwater, Chris. I really do. The final game of the regular season, the day after Thanksgiving at the end of November, Texas and Oklahoma State. My guess is the winner of that will be taking on Oklahoma and Arlington. That one uh, that one could be big. You know, you talk a little bit about some of the development issues. I, personally, I think some of it has – a lot of it has to do – my experience is when you have a lot of staff turnover. I mean, I think they're, they're problems and their issues. And I, I even go to a place like Clemson. It didn't start all that smoothly for Dabble. People forget that. Yeah. It's, you know, that's, that's a, it's, you know, it's old story now, but um, I mean, I gave up, I had, they had 70 put on them in a bowl game, you know, defensively. And so they got Brent Venables in and settled down. I think that has a lot to do with the development issues. I know Oklahoma's had some changes too, but a lot of it is all right. They, they needed to obviously move on from from Mike Stoops and then bringing in uh, a, a, obviously you know a different look and in, in trying to get with an Alex Grinch, a, a defensive coordinator that could maybe be a better fit and experience to kind of play with the type of offense that 
Oklahoma plays with in, in, in the Big 12 style. But I think that may have a little bit to do it. And is a, I think that's what, from a personnel standpoint, maybe from a coaching stability standpoint, that is maybe the big difference, I think, with Texas taking that step to where they're, all of a sudden they're, they're not just, you know, good, but they're really good. My concern is that, you know, and, and again, like, you know, and I use the comparison with Michigan. Well, Michigan's still pretty good. They're not competing. They're not athletic, as athletic as Ohio State, but they're still pretty good. And they, they beat the teams they're supposed to. Last year was alarming for me watching Texas is that, as you said, not a personnel issue to lose. I and mean, there's no way that record should be with that. No way. You know, right. now if you're talking about 10 and two and you lose one and you lose, that's, that's, you know, venturing into where you need to be right now. You're looking at it and you're saying, wow, you know, now you're, you're, you're trying to, but, but sometimes it's just a few little things to finish out a game. Right. And, and, a bit, and I think those are things that we could see a big jump. I, question for you, uh, and you mentioned, and I do think, uh, and, and we obviously at Landry Football study personnel from high school to, to college and then obviously all the way in through the NFL. And I, um, so we were really in tune on recruiting. And I agree with you. The talent level is really good. And as it relates to the Big 12, I don't think Texas is taking a backseat to anybody. I'm curious in what was the reaction by you and the Texas fan base recently? Not that it was a surprise, <laughs> but it had to be a gut punch. For those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, um, I scouted Blake Brockema. Okay. Uh, well, I'm sorry. Dead. I'm, I'm Brooke. Brooke. We, we, I, I, get, I get the kids. I scouted the dad. Okay, so and and it, a I'm getting old. B, um, I mean, that's like heresy. That's like old school. You're you're excommunicated from the family. If, if you can't get more orange blood than the Brockemeyers, mm -hmm. and I know you're going to Alabama, that is, they have been elite in developing offensive linemen putting them in the NFL, I get it. Is that kind of like, uh, again, I think we all, those of us that follow it, saw that coming. Right. It wasn't a shock. But just take me into the Longhorn Nation, the Orange Blood Nation of, that's still got to be a gut punch. Because that's, that's not just a great guy that you lose out to Alabama. That's understandable. You're losing somebody that's leaving the family I mean, that's almost like mafia-like, you know, we're going into the other family. You don't do that. And that's just, just talk to me on that. Well, first of all, I got to credit your brain. Blake Brockemeyer is the father, so you're not as old as you think. You still got it, Chris. Come on, man. Give yourself some credit, my man. I'm uh, losing it day by day, Brad. You don't know. Uh, you and me both, brother. You and me both. It was, uh, it was disappointing, but it was understandable. Um, and you're right. The writing was on the wall. People who follow recruiting here in Austin and across Longhorn Nation, they kind of saw this coming and had some time to prepare for this news, but you're dead on. I mean, this is not just losing extremely talented players in your home state, which has been a problem with Texas over the last decade or so. I mean, when Mac Brown was rolling in the aughts of the 2000s, when Texas was winning 10 games every year and competing for national championships, 
winning national championships. Texas wouldn't lose anybody in the state. Like they would have their pick of the litter, whoever they wanted would they, they'd come to Texas and then everybody else would go to AM and tech and then Ohio state and Bama and all over the country. Nowadays, you're seeing it happen way more where so many guys are leaving the state, but it's not just that, as you mentioned, Chris, this is, I mean, this is family. Uh, you've got dad, you've got grandpa, you've got brother. There's a brother, Luke Brockermeyer, who's a current player on Texas. He's a walk on, on the roster right now. So you're right. You can't get any more burnt orange and white than the Brockermeyer family to lose them is an absolute gut punch. And of course, I mean, you're talking about some extremely, extremely talented players, the number one tackle in the country for the class of 2021, the number one center in the country for the class of 2021. So to lose those guys in your state, guys with all the family ties to the University of Texas, it absolutely hurts. But the understandable part, Chris, is Texas hasn't had an offensive lineman drafted in the first round since 2002. Mike Williams in 2002. There's been like 10 Mike Williams drafted since 2002. Exactly right. Nearly two decades. And Alabama seemingly year in and year out, they've yep. got a guy going in the first round. They had it last year with Wills. Uh, Leatherwood is probably going to be a first yep. rounder this year. So I totally understand it. I mean, the- now, now Big Sam is going to go. Yes. But you're right. That's what yeah. the kids want to know and hear. And that's what they sold them on at Alabama. And yeah, as much as you can sell the family and the loyalty, it's, it's, I, I'm elite. You know, who's going to help me get to that next level? And Texas can do it. I mean, Texas can get them there. But again, the proof's in the pudding. Alabama's done it. You know, I'm just, you know, it's just, uh, I, I know it was really disappointing for for Texas and top in them. Um, like you said, not a shock, but hugely disappointing. No question yeah. about it. Yeah. No, I mean, Alabama is sending their blue chip prospects to the NFL. No problem. And their four and five star kids are first round picks like 50 percent of the time, which is more than anybody in all of college football. So this is a football first decision. And honestly, And it pains me to say this as a Texas grad and as a Texas fan, if your number one goal is to play in the NFL and you're a blue chip recruit, coming to Texas isn't the right decision. Now, the university has so much to offer. It's a phenomenal academic institution. The city of Austin is an incredible city. The campus at UT is great, but the proof is in the pudding. And the numbers you're seeing and released, and you know other schools are using this as recruiting against Texas. Uh, the proof is there. Texas is not developing talent. I mean, they are one of the worst power five teams in all of college football in terms of sending four and five star recruits to the NFL, not just first rounders, but to the NFL draft as a whole. That's been a huge problem for Texas. So yeah, I mean, the writing was on the wall and and I do think Chris, maybe this is overly optimistic. Maybe there's a little burnt orange Kool-Aid in this take. I think there's still a chance that the Longhorns, can get the Brocker Myers. They can get some sort of flip, but it's going to have to be number one. Texas is going to have to be really good. They're going to have to at least a good a good season might make make right. them consider a, a really good season. Exactly like Big Twelve championship type season. Maybe not playoff necessarily, but you've got to at least win ten games and probably win the Big Twelve title game. And also, Sam Cosme is going to have to stay locked in as a top half of the first round pick. Because Texas, 
this felt a little optimistic for me, but last year, I mean, Colin Johnson, different position, but there were some mock drafts picking Colin Johnson to go in the first or second round. He falls all the way to the fifth. So, you know, just because Sam Cosme is there right now doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be there at the end of the season. He's got to be a first round pick. He's got to stay locked in. I think Derek Kerstetter, guy's not a first round talent, but I think he's got to have a great season and and be like a draftable piece. And I just think this offensive line as a whole, I mean, Chris, Texas gave up more sacks than anybody in the Big 12 last year. I know, Starting I know. at really the second half of the West Virginia game when the Stills brothers kind of had their way with Texas, but really the Oklahoma game in Dallas, Texas's offensive line fell off. And Herb Hand, the offensive line coach who had a really good year one in 2018, had a horrible year two in 2019. So he's got to show that he can coach these guys up and that this unit can actually be way more productive than it was in 2019. So I still think because of the kin, because of the family ties, there's a chance the Brockermeyers do flip their commitment. But, I mean, it's understandable, like you said, Chris. The the writing is on the wall. The proof is in the pudding. It totally makes sense that the Brockermeyers right now committed to Bama. And to your point, the development in terms of prospects is one thing. But I just, you know, seven and five, you know, it's, you know, it also says it also screams undercoached, you know, and that that combination and that's got to change. And and I I think it will personally, but that's what that's what the season's for. And I I know there's no excuse. I I don't know that I'm going to put a whole lot of stock in anything in grading a coaching staff this year. I realize everything is relative, but but I think going forward, that is something that has to change because you're correct if you're looking at just elite player. If it's, you know, you know, Blake Barnes or, you know, you know, whatever it Brooke Barnes, that's one thing. But you know, the fact that you got a Brockermeyer that says, you know, okay, I'm gonna do, I'm gonna go somewhere else because you can produce great pro prospects at Texas. They've done it before, they'll do it again, they will do it, and they're gonna win big again. It just it's just whether Tom how quickly can Tom figure it out and get it done. That's yep. that's gonna be the key. No doubt about it. All right, getting close to the end of our time here on In Defense of the Big 12, Brad Kellner, Chris Landry, nice enough to join me today. Normally, you'll see Tyler McComas. He's out on vacation. Chris, the man, the myth, the legend, the brains behind this beast, nice enough to sit in with us today. Chris, I'll I'll open up the floor to you, man, because Tyler and I, we go back and forth. We have our conversations. Are there any other Big 12 topics while we have you here, things that are on your mind, whether it's the rest of the media poll, the preseason All-Big 12 team, or just anything else that sort of suits your fancy that you want to hit here in these last 10 minutes? Yeah, you know, a couple of things as I look in in, in a study the Big 12 and, and in my consulting work looking at, you know, and doing this is I, you know, I see a couple of things. Oklahoma as a program, can they become a national championship contender because they're already, you know, top of the, the Big 12? Lincoln and I've, I've talked with Tyler about this on his show and it they to me have got to become a better line of scrimmage team and we talked about recruiting why can't Oklahoma recruit those dominant defensive linemen like Clemson same thing with Texas by the way but you know do that year in and year out to where they can become 
And a lot of it has to do with the head coach. Lincoln loves to put his stamp on the offense. High-flying, great. That's fine. But you're Oklahoma. You're Texas. You don't have to be a Big 12 team. Your, your brand goes beyond a league. It's elite level or could be and should be. Mm-hmm. So what is Oklahoma going to do to get to that next step? Are they going to try to win shootouts? A, a lot of what LSU did last year in a in an unusual year is winning the shootout, but they play good situational defense. That's the one thing. Can Texas become maybe a team that could be, because I thought they were on their way and I still think they could be, to be a really good defensive team. I think we saw Baylor, well-coached, tough, physical. Oklahoma State's going to be kind of here and there, hit or miss. TCU, I think, plays good situational defense. Um, so, I mean, Iowa State's well-coached, does a good job. But I think if you're Kansas State, I think a great fit, a great hire, because what are they doing? They're going to slow it down or yeah. play four corners, and that's how they're going to get you. Hmm. I do think that's what Matt Wells eventually wants to do at Tech. But right now, it's a little bit more a fly-up. And so my question is, big picture is, what are you going to do, Texas? What are you going to do, Oklahoma, to compete for championships? I know Texas is trying to compete for a conference championship, but that next step needs to go in unison. I think the team that can get the big war daddies on defense and Brad not only play good two-minute offense, but great four-minute offense. So you get a lead. And you're up 24 points. Do you really need to score 70? Or is it more prudent with a 24-point lead to make them pay on the other side? Make them hurt. Yep. Run the football. Do Be more complimentary. Be a great four-minute team. Because I think when you can only win one way, it's like a great basketball team. If, you, if you're a great shooting team, what happens if you have a bad shooting night? You go home. What happens if Kansas State can reduce your possessions and you maybe are out of rhythm offensively? You go home. There's no reason why an Oklahoma should get out physical by Kansas State. And they weren't. Yeah. There's no reason why a Texas can occasionally get out physical by some teams on their schedule that are not as good. They're different. I think the other schools are getting it right and i'm not saying oklahoma's not getting it right in terms of the big 12 yes but to take that next step that's my overlying thought on the big 12 for the big boys to get to the next level and then i think for the other schools kind of to maybe find their niche to say you know we're going to counterbalance what they do by shortening the game or we're going to try to match them point for point mm-hmm. and do it our way. So I, that's my overviewing view of the league strategically yeah. and how it matches up. I like that. Uh, I mean, the big 12 on the national stage, they haven't gotten it done, right? They have yet to win a college football playoff game and outside of Oklahoma, nobody has even gotten there. So, you know, I think Oklahoma's doing the right things. I love the Alex Grinch hire. He did some damn good things in year one. And I think the OU defense is going to be better. I know they lose some pieces. They lost a first-rounder in Kenneth Murray, Neville Gallimore, the defensive tackle. Those guys are going to be tough to replace. But Oklahoma was 121st in the country in forcing turnovers. 
they're going to create more turnovers. That's what Alex Grinch wants, number one. And number two, just year by year, you have more turnover luck. It's not really consistent. So I just think Oklahoma is going to be a more opportunistic defense this year. And I think eventually, once Alex Grinch gets his players in there, uh, I think that's going to help their defense out a little bit. Now, I, I re- real quick, I'd like to them to get a little bit more of those great athletes that they mm-hmm. love for those toys on offense get some of those nasty pass rushers and so ball hawking players in the secondary. Yep. That's going to create you more turnovers. I think Alex has proven that he can create pressure, but if you got to manufacture pressure, you don't have enough guys in coverage that can match up against the quick pass games in this league. So get you some more daddies where you can win one-on-one with four and five man pressures. Yeah. Then your turnovers are going to start to happen, and then you're going to become a really good defense that gives your offense more possession. And then help that defense out, by the way, by being able to run the football a little bit more. Keep that defense fresh for four quarters. I like that. I like that a lot. So we'll see what happens with Oklahoma. I'm with you. I don't know if they have that bona fide edge rusher on their roster right now. Ronnie Perkins, very talented player, but uh, we'll see what happens there. I'm not too worried about Oklahoma. I'm with you. Lines of scrimmage, they have to get better. You know, the game against Georgia, the Rose Bowl game a couple of years ago, I, I think that's one they should have won. I know every OU fan will take that to their grave. And even as a Texas fan, like, I'm convinced Oklahoma was the best team in college football that year. And I think Baker Mayfield was battling some sort of undiagnosed or untalked about injury to his back in the second half of that game that sort of tweaked the way Lincoln Riley was calling plays. So, I think that offense is going to give them a chance. I know their defense is much maligned, but if Spencer Rattler is as good as people think he can be, I think maybe they'll have a shot to compete on the national stage. And then with everybody else, yeah, Texas needs to be more physical at the line of scrimmage. Uh, Texas just needs to do a better job of not playing down to its opponents. I mean, they've beaten some pretty good teams in the Tom Herman era. They beat Oklahoma. They beat Georgia. Uh, They've held their own against some of the big dogs, but you're right. I mean, against – I mean, a five and seven TCU team last year, they get out physical. Iowa State, they get out physical last year. Uh, it's just happening way, way too often. I mean, Kansas, they needed a game winning field goal to beat Kansas at home a season ago. So they've got to find a way to stop playing down to their competition. I think that's the big key for them. But you're right, Chris. I mean, your overall point about, look, this conference needs to get it done on the national stage. They need to find a way to not only get to the playoff every year, but actually make some noise when they get there. Uh, That's going to be something people are monitoring a lot. And, of course, within this league, can anybody end Oklahoma's five-year reign? seems like the year to do so. Uh, The quarterback questions and some other personnel questions that Oklahoma has, but can anybody actually step up and beat them, or are the Sooners going to get it done again? All right. That's going to wrap it up. Man, that went by fast, but it was so great being with you. And uh, we wish Tyler great uh, happiness and success on his uh, vacation. And get back here, man. We need you. No doubt. uh, Join the guys every every Monday and Thursday. And again, go to twitch.tv slash chrislandryfootball. Go to landryfootball.com. Check all we got going there. Click uh, and follow these guys. Uh, on Twitch, uh, get in the chat room, start asking those questions. Want to hear from all of your fans, Texas, Oklahoma, Iowa State, Baylor, TCU, Kansas State, you know, everybody, this is a home for you, and these guys are going to take you there. So, Fred, so great to be with you. Thank you for having me, and uh, look forward to talking to you soon. 
Amen, Chris. Thank you for jumping on. Thank you for having us as a part of this thing. And definitely check out all of the podcasts on the Twitch channel. Check out LandryFootball.com for all things football at all levels. We have you covered. Tyler and I will be back on Thursday at 10 a.m. for In Defense of the Big 12. In the meantime, be sure to follow us on Twitter. Chris is at LandryFootball. I'm at Brad Kellner. Tyler is at Tyler underscore McComas. Any questions you may have, uh, feel free to drop them there. Thank you all so much for watching. This has been In Defense of the Big 12, and we'll see you on Thursday.